Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be given to us in the name of Jesus. We ask that uh, we would have vision to see what you're calling us to as the church, as the living church. Lord, we are following you and we need your vision. We need your help. We need your aid. We pray that, uh, that as you send your spirit, that we would respond to you in worship and praise and prayer and that we would become the church. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. And um, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, we're looking at verses 1 through 17. Maybe look it up on your phone. Just don't, you know, go elsewhere on your phone. (laughs) So as I read the news coming out of Charlottesville yesterday... I prayed, and uh, it felt, just felt prompted to interrupt our current sermon series about becoming a multiplying church. And uh, so for the purpose of applying the gospel of Jesus Christ to the moment that we are in right now. So uh, Andrew Moeller has a message from Acts 2 that will wait until next week. Um, but for now, we're going to talk about racism, rage, and the call of the church. Most of you have seen the news coming out yesterday. Uh, Friday night, there was a mob of tiki torch-bearing white supremacists, white nationalists. They marched together, uh, and they surrounded a statue of Robert E. Lee, Confederate hero uh, from the Civil War. And uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, they surrounded uh, this statue to protest. The city council had voted to remove it. And... They, uh, had, they were protesting that vote. They were, they were protesting the removal of Robert E. Lee. And they chanted white nationalist slogans like blood and soil and Jew don't replace us. Now, the next morning, counter-protesters uh, began to march and uh, the rage and the hatred uh, that was you know, just showing up symbolically in a KKK-like rally the night before, turned into violence, violent words and violent actions to harm the body. And there was ugly fighting and brawling, um, and um, there was throwing of punches, there was spraying of chemicals, and then uh, someone drove their car into a crowd of counter-protesters in order to harm them, uh, and they killed a 32-year-old woman who, who was, you know, protesting the white nationalists, and they injured this, this young man driving his car, injured dozens, head injuries and broken bones and, and, and blood everywhere. So uh, this horrible series of events um, has, it's not just a one-time thing, it, it, it has a context. And... Um, the context is that white nationalism is trending in the United States. It's trending. White nationalism is a, is a movement, and it's fueled by a narrative. It's fueled by an idea defined as this. Um, it's the belief, theory, or doctrine that white people are inherently superior to people from all other racial groups, especially African-American people, and are therefore rightfully the dominant group in any society. So it's a narrative that not only are the races meant to be separate, but they're not equal. And um, 
that white people have a special dominant role that they should have, and they should protect it. Now, this is a lie. This is a heresy. This is an affront to our Lord Jesus Christ, who created all people in his image, all races and nations in his image. Now, from where we sit, it's, it's you know what, I think it's, for the most part, easy to d- be dismissive of the white nationalism um, that's ascendant in our countries. Just This is just a bunch of you know, crazy people, they're angry, they're afraid. Um, but sadly, the narrative behind white nationalism has been all too mainstream in our country, in our country's history. Um, so this narrative that the uh, white race is fully human and all other races are subhuman, there's a line in the Constitution of the United States that says this directly. Uh, Article 1, Section 2, Paragraph 3 the Constitution refers to black people, African-American people, as three-fifths human. As my friend and fellow Chicago pastor Daniel Hill notes, white supremacy is more than combat boots in KKK. White supremacy is a way of valuing humankind. Race is a social construct created by humans, not God. Now listen, This all has even a wider context. Just because we've done away with chattel slavery and enforced segregation in the American South does not mean that racism has magically disappeared. Okay, that's a false gospel. That we are beyond racism in the U.S., that is a false gospel. That's false good news. Um, I was uh, with our staff this week. We went to the Willow Creek uh, Global Leadership Summit, and we got to hear from Brian Stevenson, who is a lawyer with the Equal Justice Initiative that fights, uh, you know, to save people who are on death row, um, who are who've been uh, they've been convicted as adults, even though they're children, um, among among other injustices. Um, he's the author of Just Mercy, a wonderful book. He made the point that if you visit Rwanda, they don't let you leave until you visit the Rwandan Genocide Memorial. And they make you deal with their country's history. Like, you don't know what it means to be in Rwanda until you grapple with the Hutu Tutsi history and the over a million people who were slaughtered by their neighbors. You can't, we have to come to grips with the fact that this is part of our national history. And he said, you can't go to Berlin, Germany, walk a couple blocks without being reminded of the fact that there was a Holocaust. They deal with it, they, and they, they, if you're visiting and trying to understand their country, they want you to grapple with it and just deal with the fact that, there's been, that, there's, that there was an incredible, uh, horrible evil done and owned on a national cultural level by our country. But in the United States, we tend to have a false good news of we're beyond this now, and this wasn't, you know, that, we, that we've come to, come to a new era here where there's no racism, and that's just false good news. Um, because the demonic and hateful narrative that some races are better than other races is a subtle narrative, and it's stubborn. It's a stubborn narrative. In our own city of Chicago, this narrative has fueled injustices like white flight, redlining housing discrimination in the 60s, or in our own day, the killing of unarmed black men by the city's police force, and then having that covered up by, the, by our city's police force. So there are heartbreaking racial divisions and pain 
within our city of Chicago. And as one of my other friends, who's a pastor in Logan Square, he said that, you know, for white people uh, in, in the U.S. and Chicago, it's like you're riding a bike and the wind's at your back. And you're like, there's no wind because you can't really feel it. But if you're not white, you feel the wind in your face. And it's a very different reality. So um, in the wake of Charlottesville and in the wake of even just dealing with our country's racial, uh, awful racial history and this stubborn narrative that fuels anger and fear, which fuels injustice, how do we respond as the church? What is the call of the church in the wake of racism and rage? Rage in our country um, that's, that's growing, the lack of incivility or the lack of civility leading to, to, to fighting, spilling over. Um, maybe right now you're feeling a little defensive. Uh, maybe you feel like, you know what? Everybody tries to make it about race. It's not about race. Um, or if it is about race, I'm not contributing to it. I'm not part of the problem. The problem is out there, and I've got enough problems of my own, so don't try to put this on me. Maybe you're feeling defensive. Or maybe you're feeling rage. Maybe you do see it as a problem, and you're angry, and you want to do something. You want to you wanna oppose the racist system. You want to be part of the solution, but you're angry, and, and that anger is driving you towards action. You want to fight the narrative. You want to fight the apathy. Or maybe you're feeling despair. You know, you're, you're beyond feeling angry, and you're like, you know what? It just keeps getting worse. I'm feeling numb. I'm feeling despair. What, what can be done? What can be done? Um, maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you lost hope. So um, maybe you're feeling defensive. Maybe you're feeling rage. Maybe you're feeling despair and numbness, and you're ready to tap out. But what's the call of the church? What's the call of Jesus Christ? What's the good news? Um, we're going to look at Colossians 3 and, uh, and look at the call of the church, and then after this, we're going to have an extended time of the prayers of the people. Like I said, we're going to invite you to pray out loud. So if, there's a Lord, if the Lord's putting a prayer on your heart, think about praying it out loud. It'll give hope to the people, hope to all of us. Number one, number one, if you aren't any, well, first of all, turn to Colossians 3 if you haven't already, all right? Colossians 3. What's the call of the church? Here's the first call. In Christ, we must utterly reject the false ideology of race superiority. In Christ, we must reject the false ideology of race superiority. Let's read from Colossians 3. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, let me tell you what these few verses are not saying. These verses are not saying, you know what, just love the Lord and disconnect from all of the trouble on earth. You know, just let the things of earth grow strangely dim because all you're thinking about is Jesus in heaven. That's not, that's expressively not what Paul is saying. He is saying this, Church of Jesus Christ, you need to let the reality of Jesus Christ shape your whole character in life. All that is true of Jesus Christ needs to come home 
for the church and come home for the people who bear the name of Jesus. Let him transform you as he is transforming the world. He's not just here to save souls. He's here to remake the world according to his image, a world of truth, goodness, and beauty where there's no false ideologies. So things that are above, what does it mean, things that are above? Things that are above refer to reality as it is in the light of Jesus Christ. Reality as it exists in the light of Jesus Christ. Reality as it is in the light of his death, his resurrection, and his being exalted to the Father's right hand. Paul is referring to a truer, a better, and a more beautiful narrative than race superiority. And he's referring to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what the gospel is? Well, first of all, we need to know that Jesus Christ is the creator of every human being, every race, every man, woman, and child. They find their origin and life in him. It was his idea to make people as we are, and all of us find our meaning and our true and full humanity in him. But we've turned away from that. We've turned to idolatry, and we've worshiped our nation. We've worshiped our skin color. We've worshiped our traditions to the expense of other people. Okay, And whenever we turn away from God and worship idols, whenever we turn from the true image and turn to false images, injustice follows, death follows, sin follows, separation follows. And so, but Jesus didn't destroy us in response. Do you know what he did? He took on human flesh. He became a first century Palestinian Jew, took on human flesh, and he experienced the injustice and the division and Uh, false narratives. He suffered because of all of that, and he died on the cross. He shed his blood to abolish the the hostility, as Ephesians 2 said, his blood abolished hostility between racial groups to create in himself one new man. Christ is all and is in all. In Christ, there is one new humanity. Where racial divisions and racial rankings don't exist. There's an honoring of race. There's an honoring of cultural differences. It's not to say everybody's the same and everyone has the same culture. That's not what the gospel is. In Christ, cultures and races are honored, and they all look to him. They're all, they are all sanctified and set apart together as one new family. Now, God raised Jesus from death And you know what Jesus said after his resurrection? He said, go into all the world, every nation, and preach the gospel and catechize people about the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and and let me build the church as you be the church. You be the church, I'll build the church. And it's going to be an international church, a church of many cultures, many languages. And you're going to be one body. You're all going to worship uh, me, which is the true and good way to do it. Okay, But not only that, he wasn't only resurrected, he was raised to the Father's right hand. And do you know what's true at the Father's right hand? Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation gather around that throne to worship Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church and represents humanity as it is being recreated. That's what's true at the, at, uh, at the Father's right hand. Look with me in verse 11. This is, what's, this is what Paul is referring to as the things that are above. Here, okay, 
Here, in Christ, the image, the image of God and the true image of humanity, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and is in all. Set your minds on things above. This is what's true in the things above. Cultural hierarchies don't exist in the things above. Racial hierarchies don't exist in the things above. Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised. There's no, uh, there's no people that are worthy of rejection. There's no people that are subhuman. Um, so barbarian and Scythian were, um, in the ideology of the Roman Empire, subhuman people, subhuman groups. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. In Christ, that's false and worthy of rejection because Scythian and barbarian, what is that in Christ? That reality doesn't stand in light of Christ. There are no subhumans in light of Christ. There's no deficient races. There's no economic hierarchy, slave-free. Christ is all and is in all. That's the narrative. Jesus Christ is the Lord over humanity. And everyone in Christ will be revealed in glory. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, you also will be revealed with him in glory. When Jesus Christ... uh, Uh, finishes the work that he has begun on earth, what is true in Christ about all races will be revealed to all of the world, and we will all see that what Colossians 3 is referring to is true. The gospel is more true than any false narratives. The gospel is the foundation of the earth. Psalm 29 talks about the voice of the Lord shaking things. Such a good image for us this morning, because as we think about the things that have been built on top of the gospel that are not true, these totem poles that are false, totem poles of white nationalism, totem poles of, of other things that we've turned to to worship, when the gospel of Jesus Christ is revealed, it shakes the ground upon which those totem poles are built, and it demolishes those totem poles. That's what the voice of the Lord does. It demolishes strongholds. It takes thoughts captives. False narratives are brought to their knees, shaken until they're destroyed. Now, what does that look like for us in daily practice? To utterly reject the false narrative of racial superiority. So look at verses 5 through 10 with me. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. What we have here is a description of a people who are willing to reject false narratives that some people are better than others. Let's put our focus here on verse eight. There's a lot here, but we're gonna focus on verse eight. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Now let's just take a moment and pause 
and just do a little soul inventory here. Is there malice that has collected in your soul? Maybe from the news or maybe from family or maybe, maybe things that have gone down here at Emmanuel. Or is it you have some rage? Is obscene talk kind of an okay thing for you? Do, you? do you put others down in subtle ways? We know how to do it without looking mean. This is where it's the heart level, <laughs> and it begins to come out in, in attitudes such as rage and malice and, 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 and behavior such as our speech. Where's your heart at? Where's your speech at? How do you talk about white nationalists? Do you hate them? Do you have malice towards white nationalists? How, how, where are you at with other races? Do you have rage? Do you have malice? Is there, is, is, there, is there obscene talk? How do you talk about other races? How do you talk about people groups? Has the false ideology that some people are better than others entered in? Have you even compared yourself to someone in the last week and you went, you know what, I'm kind of better than them? Because do you know that whatever's at the heart of that comparison thought is the same sickness at the heart of white nationalism? Did you know that? Utterly rejecting the false ideology that some people are better than others begins in our formation, and it begins with us. I invite you to confess your sins today if you've got sin in your heart. I'll give you an example of this happening. Uh, I, I told the story at our prayer and uh, fasting night this past Wednesday. There was a revival at Wheaton College, kind of a move of the Spirit of God on the campus of Wheaton College in 1995. And one of the most, one of the most profound testimonies that was shared, it was sparked by four days of confession of sin, public confession of sin. And one of the most memorable confessions of sin was there was a, there was a, 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 white stu, a white male student that got up and he said, I'm convicted to confess that I have been denigrating students of other races here at Wheaton College, especially the Asian American students here at Wheaton. I have been making fun of them. I have been denigrating them. And he, he just confessed all of his sins. There was an eyewitness uh, at that event uh, and, uh, that was standing with the Korean American students uh, uh, from, from Wheaton College, and they listened very intently to his confession. And when he was done, he sat, he sat near the front row. He just sat down, and he just put his hands, face in his hands, and just wept and wept and wept. Now, the aisles were filled with people confessing their sins. They were filled with people getting prayer. They were filled with people lying prostrate on the ground because they were so overcome with their own sin. And so you couldn't walk in the aisles. The Korean-American students who were in the back, instead of going down the aisle, they actually climbed over the aisles to get to this young man. They climbed over all of the, of the seats, and they surrounded him, and they wept with him, and they forgave him, and they prayed over him. This is what it looks like to set our minds on things above 
reality as it is in Christ, to put away rage and malice and slander and, and just filthy talk from your lips and to stop lying to one another and to experience the life-changing, earth-shaking reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No racist is beyond the grace of God. No injury due to racism is beyond the healing of Jesus Christ. For the church to utterly reject false ideologies means that we need to begin living it out in our own relationships, which leads me to our second point. Not only in Christ do we utterly reject the false ideology of race superiority. As the church, this is point two, as the church, we must take on the character of Christ. We must take on the character of Christ as the church. We must. Let me read verses 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Put on then as God's... I love how the uh, NIV translates... Uh, um, uh, put on then as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is what it looks like, not just to put aside works of darkness, not just to put aside false ideologies. We are not called to become a community of rage. We are called to become a community of love, the love of Christ, the character of Christ. Our city is looking for this. Our world, our nation is looking for this, hungry for this, thirsty for this. Where do people act as they should? Where do people exhibit the, not just the outer legalistic actions, but the inner character of love? Where can I go to find the inner character of love? Where there's not backbiting and division, but there's humility and forgiveness and patience. The things that bind people together are, is the character of Christ. So uh, Glenn Packiam, theologian and musician from Colorado Springs, says this. The church, a community shaped by the gospel, and that's us, is an embodied repudia uh, repudiation of racism. We stand against the powers that animate white supremacy or any other form of idolatry. The church as a community of reconciliation and forgiveness does not simply preach or believe this good news. We embody the good news. We're not just here to preach the good news, we are here to embody the good news and how we relate with one another and that spills over to how we relate with the wider community. That means that we are becoming the most loving citizens of Chicago. We are becoming the most loving citizens of our workplaces and neighborhoods, the most loving citizens uh, of wherever God has placed us. Verse 14 says, and above all these, put on love, 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So let me just tell you this. Putting on love, which binds things together in perfect harmony, is not going to make the news. It's not going to make the news. One of my close friends, uh, Father Blake Johnson, is pastoring an Anglican church plant in Charlottesville called Church of the Holy Cross. And, you know, we were texting yesterday, what's going on there? And he said, he's like, you know what? He's like, you know, we, our church, we, we attended a beautiful multi-ethnic gathering um, led, led by an African-American pastor, great prayer gathering in Charlottesville, and there were no news cameras there. He's like, this is incredible service. There's no news cameras there. This is not going to be highly publicized. It might even look boring on the outside, even though it is incredibly beautiful on the inside. Boring, kind of boring on the outside, but beautiful, absolutely incredibly beautiful on the inside, waiting for Christ to reveal it in all its glory at the final day. But we need to be more focused on our actual practices of love than we are on how high of a reputation we have for being on the right side of history. Not saying that's not important. The focus of our church, the focus of our call is we need to become, we must take on the character of Christ because it is only the character of Christ that will sustain us, that will keep us together. Let me just ask you a question. You know, Colossians 3 refers to teaching and admonishing one another even as we sing and pray together, how would you react if someone from Emmanuel admonished you? Could, that, could your relationship with them sustain that admonishment? Because if it couldn't, we don't yet have the character and the strength that we need to have to be agents of racial reconciliation in Chicago. We've got to be able to get through tough conversations together. We've got to let other people at Emmanuel sharpen us into the character of Christ. This is becoming the church, my friends, putting on the character of Christ. We need to be prepared as we put on the character of Christ to act or to speak in the name of Jesus. We need to be prepared to act or to speak in the name of Jesus. Paul says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So with a heart of thanksgiving, with a heart, with, with a heart of love, with a heart that binds people together, we need to be prepared to act or to speak in the name of Jesus in whatever way the Lord is calling us to. Sometimes that's going to happen on a macro level, but most of the time it's going to happen on an individual level. The word of the gospel passes most effectively between pe- people who love one another. We're going to invite you guys to become part of a small group. We're going to have Small groups all over the city, families in the city that are praying evening prayer together, morning prayer together, doing life together, hospitality, eating together. You know, it's in the context, it begins there. Maybe you're going to be a part of a small group and you'll be especially welcoming to your neighbors. You'll make space for them around the table. Be prepared to act or speak in the name of Jesus to build each other up in love and perhaps work for justice and reconciliation. We need to be prepared also in our vocations to act or to speak in the name of Jesus. We're gonna talk more extensively about this uh, in our ser- series in Exodus. It's gonna, coming up on September 10th. 
How can we be like those midwives that refused to kill the Hebrew babies that, that, that Pharaoh wanted to do away with? We gotta learn how to do this in our vocations. We need courage. And friends, as we put on the character of Christ, we will become the community of courage that the Lord is raising up for our day. We need to become the community of courage that the Lord is raising up in our day. As we reject false ideologies, as we become people who have the character of Christ, willing to act, willing to speak, friends, we need one another. We need one another. As um, uh, Gary Haugen said earlier this week at the conference we were at, fear is contagious. So fear and rage are contagious, right? They're very contagious. But you know what also is contagious? Courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. And we are called to be a place of contagious courage in our city. Thank you, Father, for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have given us, you didn't just from a distance reject us, Lord. You came and you associated with us and you lived in our broken world and you shed your blood to abolish all that separated us. We pray that we would become the church that in response to rage and racism, that we would turn to you to the cross, that you would heal us for the racism that is in our hearts. Heal me, Lord, for any trace of racism in my heart. Lord, we, we confess our sins and we turn to the cross for healing and life and we pray that we would be the church. We would take on the character of Christ and become the community of courage that you have called us to be. Now, Lord, I ask that you would call forth prayers from your people and that we would cry out to you on behalf of our city and our country. Lord, we ask uh, that as we pray that you would shape us. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.